This is Big Ronnie, and you're listening to Without Your Head. And if you don't enjoy this, you're making a big mistake. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and uh this has been like a year in the making i have andrew hung on the line how are you doing very well thanks neil how are you i'm excellent i'm excellent well pretty good i'm lying if i see me excellent but uh, i'm pretty good so yeah it's been like a, i think a year since i i did um because i saw the greasy strangler absolutely loved it it's such a unique movie did a greasy strangler month i tried to get everyone i possibly could uh, including yourself, because I really think the music is a huge part of that movie. It's like its own character. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. I guess it was, yeah. Um, or an enhancement to everything. Pardon? Yeah. Or like an enhancement to everything. It really put everything together. It's, it's quirky, and it's a little childlike. And uh, I think if you had a different kind of music, it might make the movie very vulgar, which it kind of is anyway. But it makes it uh, charming, I think. Oh, that's really good to hear. That's great. Yeah, and I will talk more about that a little bit, but uh, you've got a new album out right now, and it's called Realization Ship. Is that, a, is that how it's pronounced? That's right, yes. All right. Now, first of all, what does that name mean? Um, I, think it's, I think it's like um, when, you, when you arrive at the truth f- from um, your interactions with people, that's what, that's what I think it means. I might be talking absolute bollocks, though. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it means for you, anyway. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, th- this album, you have uh, lyrics in. What was the decision to, uh, you know, to to sing it on the uh, on the album? Uh, I think I don't. You know what? It wasn't a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. I was kind of when I first made that album, it was off the back of um, the Greasy Strangler, and so I was I was expecting some more of like the sort of um, chipmunk vocals but 
I didn't feel like making the Greasy Strangler uh, Part 2 soundtrack. Right. So I thought I was going to get some guest vocalists on it as well. But then I just I wanted to make an album just for myself. And it just naturally kind of pushed me to that direction of kind of doing it myself. Uh, which is when I, I thought, oh god, I've got to, I've got to sing on it myself. You see, so that, that's how that came about. <laughs> yeah. How do you look at the the vocals? Is it how different is it writing just like an instrumental uh, to writing with uh, vocals, or, or are vocals just like another instrument? This singing is another uh, instrument, and that's right. taken. That, I'm still learning that instrument, singing. Uh, songwriting feels like an extra process actually it feels um it feels quite separate to writing a track or producing a track or uh mixing it or anything like that so that's been um yeah writing lyrics and songwriting have been quite eye-opening in that way <clears throat> mm-hmm. now when you would write just your instrumentals the other tracks did do you ever have like uh lyrics in your mind or is it more just like the, the emotions like how is it different uh, melodies, I can I can write melodies quite easily, but um, when when you're trying, because songwriting is to do with melodic elements, structure and lyrics, and so the structure and it's the lyrics that are quite important, and also the rhythm of the melody is important, and then you have to sort of like juggle. It's like juggling, actually. Yeah, you're kind of juggling these different aspects, like the lyrics and the rhythm of the melody and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's it's really interesting and really fun, um, but it kind of deserves a lot of respect that sort of process. Mm-hmm. Do you have a? Are you gonna? Uh, are you gonna stick with that, or are you just gonna uh, explore other types of music, or or go back to just instrumentals? I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever works. Where, I guess wherever it takes me, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not really thinking too much about where I'm gonna be. Uh, just make just making sure that it's uh, as least laboured as possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this be like you and like a like a, a spoon for the next uh, album. I'm pretty sure it's just going to be me and a spoon for the next album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, that's what I'm looking forward to. So, uh, <laughs> how did the recent tour go? Uh, the recent tour is good. It's really good. It's kind of like. It feels very um, familiar because I've toured for so long now, but also at the same time, it was was so new. Like my role in the band is new and my, like what I'm doing in the band is completely new as well. So it's kind of, um, it's confusing, uh, but extremely exciting as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, along those lines, I want to keep going back to lyrics, but, uh, it must be different performing now when you are singing. Uh, does it seem like there's more eyes on you? Is it? Does it? How is it different? I can, I can, um, like you know, when you first start learning any instrument, it's kind of like you're kind of like it seems. It seems like a lot of it's, it seems like really out of control. Like it's, I've, I've, can, I can kind of plot my progress from my first gig to. The last one, I've, I've only done about 10 gigs with this band, mm-hmm. but it's progressed quite a bit from the beginning. And um, yeah, it's there is a lot of eyes on you, but there's also a lot of... And there's it feels like there's a lot of responsibility because you're kind of like... You have... It's... Um, this The thing that you're controlling is inside you. It's not something external. 
And that's kind of like, uh, it's kind of scary, but at the same time, as soon as you let go, then it's fine. <laughs> you know. uh-huh. Very well. And I assume since, since you're like the front man now, that means uh, more women for, for, for you. Oh, totally. Oh, so many. <laughs> Just like podcasting. <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, how did you? Uh, how did like um, fans of yours uh, from your previous work? How did they take to the to the to the new stuff? I well, t- <laughs> to be honest with you, it's been kind of a bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure because <laughs> it's kind of been like yeah. So it's like kind of it has been like starting over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might be because it's not reaching people, or it is reaching previous fans, and not they're not into it. So it's one of those, or a combination of those things. Um, so I think some people are into it, and, and other people aren't quite sure about it, which was to be expected, really. Yeah, is that upsetting at all? Is it upsetting? Mm-hmm. Um, or disappointing, or, or or what is it to you? I don't know. Ah. Uh... I'm not sure, really. I mean, just people like the different stuff, don't they? Mm-hmm. So it's fine, really. Um, no, it's fine. It's just it's just the way it is, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which tracks like the most personal to you? Most personal. Um, I tell you, I've got I've like open your eyes is a bit of a stickler for me at the moment. I feel like that's kind of close to where I'm at at the moment. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's a coincidence that that was at the end of the album. It seems like the kind of the light for the next album for me. Mm, interesting. Um, so that, that seems to be resonating at the moment. Yeah. Along those lines, because that's the last track, which is kind of like said, almost a lead in or whatever to the next one. Um, uh, like when you're putting together the album, is that important? Like which order they go in? Oh, really important. Yeah, really important. Um yeah, totally. I spend quite a lot of time doing that, kind of figuring out how to place it in the best kind of flowing sort of way. I think it makes or breaks albums when they're mm-hmm. in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even if you're putting together a mixtape, it's important. But once oh, your yeah. own stuff, it's much more. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think of that actually when you're writing the, the tracks? Like, do you write them in like a way where it makes sense in your mind or do, were they each like uh written separately like how does that whole work how does that all work yeah that i mean that does happen i mean i think like when when you you kind of go oh i've written quite a lot of bangers i fancy doing something without any beats now that happens um but in i mean it's not always it's not always kind of um presence in your mind about the order or how many tracks of what kind of ilk you've got but sometimes you do feel like oh i fancy writing something a bit smaller or bigger or whatever, um, mm. but what, the the best position to be in is is having too many songs for your album and then having to get rid of one for the album. That's the best position to be in. Yeah, <laughs> did that happen on this one? No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go write something and throw it in there, fill it up. Yes. No. Yeah. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe it just meant that you had the that you had the exact uh, um, a right amount of uh, of tracks for this one. I mean, this one was a, it was it was it was hard to do, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was 
it, it was it was taking me to places that I wasn't expecting to go, and so like it's kind of um, yeah, it was it was it was hard. It was totally hard. So it was kind of like I had to. Yeah, it was. Um, it's one of the toughest things I've done actually. But I'm I'm so bloody glad I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just about uh, writing tracks with lyrics as opposed to without. Is is there more emotional attachment to them, or just uh, how how does that work? You know what? I think I think there is, and I think. Um, Emotional attachment. What What do you mean by that? As in, I guess, like, investments, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I think investments more, of, it's probably better, because I think attachment, you'd probably be attached to all your work, but uh, I don't know if, if, if you actually have words in something, if it's more, if you're, I don't know, it seems like it would be a different emotional uh, investment, I guess, is, is the best word. Yeah, I think, you know what's funny is, the more emotionally you invest in something, the the shitter it is. That's what I found. <laughs> <laughs> I found like because when you emotionally invest in something, you're kind of trying too hard. I think. Uh-huh. Um, so I found like yeah, when I when I try too hard, that's when it's really shit. I think. Like you know, the greasy the greasy Strangler album took me like three weeks to write. Like, I saw that in a, a interview on your on your Facebook. I was like, wow, it's pretty. It seems so quick. It was quick, and it's because, like, you know, I was, it was like kind of an exercise in not caring, but, which is kind of what the, what the whole film's about. It's kind of, like, so singular and not caring. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I kind of, I don't know, like, I just, I didn't care, and, that's, and that happened to be when I made the best music for it, you know? It's like, so, yeah, in terms of emotional investment, I think I, think I did get emotionally invested in that. And I think um, I feel like n- next time I'm going to see what happens when I just let anything happen, as opposed to trying to control it. But um, I'm I'm being a bit too hard on myself. It was it was kind of taking. I I just didn't expect to be singing on it, and so it mm-hmm. kind of threw me a little bit. Yeah. Um, what did you do to prepare to sing? You know what? I didn't do anything because it was like <laughs> the the music had been finished, mm-hmm. and um, like. I was expecting it to be, you know, like the music was finished and the songs were finished. I thought, okay, so this mu- so this this album's going to be finished pretty soon, and I, you know, I, I've got quite a high opinion of my ability to learn stuff. But um, so I thought, oh, singing that that'll be easy. <laughs> but um, it bloody wasn't, you know. So like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 still a learning process for me. I've gotten I've gotten quite a a bit now from from doing it for a couple of years but at the time i didn't i didn't do any preparation i had no idea what it consisted of i Mm -hmm. think when you're learning something you don't know how hard it's going to be sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you said greasy strangler took like three weeks to to write uh how long did it take to to write this one two years oh wow yeah yeah but that's including everything like Mm-hmm. From writing to mixing, um, so I did I did everything. I did writing, production, and then mixing as well for it. So, is that out of necessity, or is it something uh, you like to do? I, uh, 
I think I like doing it. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, it was nice to be able to do all the processes. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I'm planning on doing it for the next album, so I must have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Greasy Strangler, how how did you even get involved in it? Like, did did Jim Hosking like uh, contact you? Did you know him beforehand? Jim contacted me because he liked um, the Rave Cave out, uh, EPs I put out. Mm-hmm. And um, he tried he tried a few of them to the picture as well. And they only had like a, a few weeks and they were like, oh, do you have any old music that we can use? But um, <clears throat> I ended up just writing a completely new soundtrack for it. Um, yeah, but that's, that's how that came about. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you watch the movie before you wrote the music? Or did I you? Did. Oh, okay, so the music is specific for for the film. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're watching it, I can't even actually imagine watching a movie with without the without the music. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I I I remember watching it with my girlfriend, and then for a good ten minutes afterwards, we were silent. Like, <laughs> we just didn't know what to think of it. Uh huh. Um. And I, yeah, I, di- I didn't really understand it without the music on it. So I had to go and meet Jim again and ask him what it was. I was like, I said to him, is it, is it dark? Because I thought it was dark. And he said, no, no, no. It's like, they're like kids. I was like, oh, right, right. So that, that's, what, that's kind of the, um, that's the main sort of theme for me was like, they're, they're, they're basically children, those, um, mm-hmm. those characters. So that's what I based the sort of music around. Yeah, like I said, I didn't want to introduce you. Like to me, that uh, that really comes through, and it really makes the movie for me like uh, more palatable. It's just it, it makes it work because there's obviously like people are getting killed and there's all this weird sex and but uh, so it could be like a just a really vile, nasty movie. But then you have this quirky music and it's it's just kind of fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it like. I guess, like, um, yeah, Jim, Jim's vision is kind of like really singular like that, and so it's quite, it's quite, it's, it was easy to make the soundtrack for it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Did you envision different uh, sounds for each of the characters? Uh, no. What I did was I kind of made, I made loads of music, and um, Jim kind of assigned the sort of motifs for each of the characters himself um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean they they ended up having their own themes for sure had you ever worked with someone like that before on any of the music you've done uh, you know i mean i've collaborated like the thing i've been doing for the last 10 years is a collaboration really mm-hmm. so i've worked I've, worked, I've i've got a lot of experience working with people and and um, yeah, there's a lot of communication that's involved with that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I kind of yeah, I guess I did really in a way. Yeah, and I just saw on your Facebook that uh, you're working with Jim on on two more projects. So I assume it was a it was a, a good experience. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jim's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, can you talk about any of those uh, the projects you work on? Uh, Laughlin <laughs> is uh, his next film, and it's got like. Aubrey Plaza and Craig Robinson in and Jermaine Clement, I think his name is. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that's really the Concords. Cool. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be, um, 
I don't, I'm not sure I can say too much about that. That's coming out. <laughs> and some dance. Oh, yeah. Then I did this other thing, which is um, he wrote it with he wrote it with Toby from the Greasy Strangler as well, and it's called uh, Tropical Cops, and that's on um, Adult Swim. Um, they're both quite different, though, actually. Like I guess Tropical Cops is more in the in in the vein of the Greasy Strangler, um, mm-hmm. but Lufflin's kind of um, yes. I, I, I'll be really interested to see what people think of it, actually. No, I'm interested. Because after the Greasy Strangler, because I really did like it so much. It's just so bizarre and um, and, and entertaining, not even just weird. I, I really liked it. So I went and watched Jim's old stuff, and he's got a lot of shorts, you know, online, and even his commercials and stuff. And uh, I just like uh, all the style of everything he does. Oh, yeah. He's yeah that he's, he's an interesting guy, Jim. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to he's going to he's, he's doing great things, that guy. Yeah. So what was it like to see Michael St. Michael's uh, disco dancing to, to one of your, your tunes? It's great. It's really good. Michael's such a funny guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I talked to, actually, uh, I told him I was going to be interviewing uh, you earlier today, and he told me to put pants on and get a life, which I thought, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be doing this, 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 this interview with, with no pants on to be, Totally different experience. Oh, that's what I'm imagining, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's just hilarious. I had him on the show, and uh, ever since then, he's just kept in touch. He's he's a genuinely good guy and very very amusing. Yeah, he's lovely. He's so sweet, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Michael. Now, did did you uh, go to like the premieres or uh, any of the, the screenings of the movie? Yeah, I went to um, I went to the first one, Sundance, um, and um, yeah, I was uh, yeah. Michael was there, Sky was there, Elizabeth. Yeah, all the cast were there. They'd all driven from LA to um, Park City, mm-hmm. um, and um, it was really funny. Like before the screening, there's a lot of bravado. We we're like, yeah, it's just you know. Really fucking loud. Uh-huh. Afterwards, man, it was total. It was like when I watched it with my girlfriend. It was total silence because <laughs> there was supposed to be an after party in the shower, uh-huh. but no one was talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say I've told everyone I know to, to watch this movie, and I get one of two reactions. It's one is this is they just love it like i did or they just like you know what is what is wrong with you i would why would you want to watch that movie but there's nobody that's like it's okay you know it's one of it's either you really love it or you really are not into it i think that i mean that would be the worst reaction really if it was okay (laughs) yeah that's very true actually (laughs) yeah yeah i think so i'd rather have someone say oh my god than be like "Eh, it's all right yeah (laughs) i (laughs) <laughs> I heard that from somebody else too about the, about that show. They said it was just because uh, I assumed everyone was excited after the movie, but that it was very like somber and people didn't know like what to think. Like I think actually Jim in the interview I did with him said this. He just thought like, "Oh my God, what did I do? What did I make?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. Yeah, I yeah I, I totally remember. Like when we were in the queue, um, I remember Jim saying. I remember so vividly as well because it was really funny. He just said, "Well, this is when I find out if I've made a turkey." <laughs> <laughs> so we're watching the movie. There's so many things that are just that obviously go on too long, 
but uh, it, for me, it totally works in the movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have your pink beanie? I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> do you have one? I do. I was very fortunate to listener of the show, Jason Minton, because uh, I couldn't find one, and uh, he came through and got me a pink beanie. Oh, that's you know, good. I was very excited about that. Iconic, aren't they now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what inspired you to be a musician in the first place? Um, I, it was, <laughs> I, I didn't choose it, that's for sure. Okay. Someone yeah, made I, you? They're just like, you are now a musician. I, it, the opportunity came along to do it, and I, okay. and I took it. Like, I, I always knew I wanted to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the band got signed, and I thought, all right, okay, let's, let's, let's commit to this fully. And so that, that's what happened. And that was around when I was like 26 or something. Cause I was going to be, I was going to be a filmmaker or a video maker or something. Mm. But um, yeah, the band took off. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how that happened. Do you, do you feel that the music, the music um, fulfills like the, that creative part of you then? I think so because it's just a medium, isn't it? I think yeah. it's like, you know, I think, you know, I, I reckon, yeah, if, if you've got any any kind of materials in front of you, you can make anything you want that you'll be happy with. That's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that's what music was for me. So, yeah. So what was the opportunity? That, that, this seems kind of odd, just like an opportunity to become a musician. Like, what, what was it? Um, yeah, so the band got signed and... We were like, okay, well, give us as many gigs as you can. And, and that year we did like 150 shows. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Like the second album came out and then we did another bout touring. And then a third album came out. And that, 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 was, that was 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dedicated to that thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, would you still ever want to... Uh... Uh, you know, make a movie or, or something like that. I think. I mean, like, I, I'm kind of like toying with the idea of going back to drawing, which is what I did when I was younger, and painting and stuff. And um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's. Am I going to do that? I don't know. There's still loads of stuff that I'm learning at the moment with music. So, mm-hmm. and it's kind of still a really exciting arena for me. But I, I, you know, I, I imagine I will do more, uh, do other stuff when I when I get older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe a weird question, but what are the similarities between uh, uh, creating music and creating like artwork? Are there similarities? Yeah, I think so. I think like all the like all the skills that I learned from those other disciplines are totally transferable. Um, like I work, for instance, with music, I work in layers, uh, and which is what I did with painting. You kind of like yeah. you draw it out first, and then you kind of, and then you start painting it and putting in, you know, color into it, and then yeah, there's loads of kind of processes on top of each other to sort of make it richer. Yeah, what I did with music. Um, yeah, it's really interesting you said that because I was gonna, I was going to mention layers because. Um, my, my webmaster for, for the website, Tyler, who I've known for like 15 years, and he uh, taught me first how to do Photoshop. And then, um, so I was pretty good at that. And then uh, when it came to um, audio editing, like I don't do music, but just the, if I'm doing a video or whatever, 
uh, he, I was having a problem with it, and he told me to think of it the same way as like a Photoshop thing with layers, uh, you know, and then uh, it made it much easier, and uh, like it made me understand it better. Oh, okay. So what, like, and in, in, so you kind of like go over it in different stages, I guess, or yeah, because like if you have a if you're doing like a like um a Photoshop banner, because I do all the banners for the for the website. And, you know, um, it's, it's much, it's all different layers. And maybe you have like a, a grunge layer over everything to kind of give it like a certain look, whatever. And, uh, with the audio, he's kind of the same way. It's like, you know, you've got like your base, whatever the, like the, the track is. And then, uh, if you want to add this or that, or, and it was, uh, it just, it, it kind of made it more visual, which it sounds odd for audio, but, uh, it made me understand it better. No, that totally makes sense to me for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Some people might think it's bad. Some of some of the things I put out, but well, you make your own rules, don't you? That's the point. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, what kind of movies uh, did you like when you were growing up? Um, when I was growing up, I was really into John Hughes films. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did I like? Uh, like the Breakfast Club, is that John yeah, Hughes? I, I, All yeah, right. Breakfast Club is one of my favorite films. I agree. That's a movie. <laughs> That's whenever it's on, like you could just watch it no matter what part it's at. I know. I, I, I still really like. I've still got a real soft, soft spot for that. I, I agree, hundred <laughs> um, <laughs> percent. I liked, um, yeah, like uh, Tim Burton films. Mm-hmm. Liked. Uh, I was watching Heather's the other day. Just getting back. Okay. Into yeah, films like that really. Uh, coming of age films. <laughs> yeah, I always there's always something about that too. I mean, I love the Wonder Years when I was growing up. Yes, so I was the same age as uh, as the main character. I'm blanking on when it was first on, so it was uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I was that's always the theme I like in every. I mean, I think that's cool about it. Other, uh, you know, Stephen King movie. Oh yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> So, uh, about the new album, where can people get it? I probably should have brought that up earlier. What, Realization Ship? <laughs> yes. Uh, Lex Records would be the first one. Uh, I think it's on Spotify and Bandcamp. Um, and you can get it in record shops. It's on vinyl and CD and stuff. So, yeah. Well, how would you say most people uh, get the music today? Or your music specifically? Do they get digital or do they actually get the physical copies? I imagine most people, the majority of people listen to it over streaming sites. Um, and I think some people, I mean, vinyl is becoming more popular. I heard vinyl was more popular than it was like, no, this can't be true. In the 80s? No, surely not. It's really popular though. You know, yeah, that could be because the 80s was really about like cassette tapes. Yes. Yes, um, you know, but uh, so yeah, I see a lot of I see a lot of record shots popping up now and stuff. You know, so it's mm-hmm. kind of encouraging. Yeah, I know they put out the the Greasy Strangler on vinyl. Uh, it's like a little of like a pink like goo or something, and yeah, yeah, that's right. Know. A white splatter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, do you listen? Do you listen to music on vinyl? Uh, I don't, but I, I I'm I'm kind of moving houses at the moment, so I kind of want to. Okay. Um, I want to do. I do want to set up a music room um, to to be able to listen to vinyl and stuff because I've got loads of it. I just haven't got a setup for it at the moment. But yeah, yeah, not yet, not yet. Exactly. 
<laughs> well, uh, and uh, how can people follow you online? Um, I am on everything. Right, it's just right in Andrew <laughs> Hung. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, pretty easy, really. Yeah, yeah. And I hate to say this. I might edit this out if, if the question goes badly. But does anyone ever get your name confused with William Hung? Uh, I don't think they do on purpose. Oh, well, yeah, I yeah. Think, great. I think people use it as a... as a, yeah, I've heard that joke a few times. But I don't really know who that guy is, if I'm honest with you. He's like American, right? Yeah, he's just a real kind of goofball that was on um, America's... Not America's... Not America's... Uh, American... Uh, Oh, it's a talent show where you went on, you like you were on it, and then you'd become like you, you know, a singer. Uh, American Idol, American Idol. Yes, yeah. I mean, I've looked him up a few times, and we've got very similar styles, definitely. Great, <laughs> great. <laughs> right. For people out there who are not familiar with uh, Andrew, like, and if you're a big fan of William Hung, then it'll, it'll fit right in. I'm pretty sure it will. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we had the music. You were music of the month a couple months ago on the show, and I was very happy about that. Oh, and, uh, thank you so much for doing that, by the way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I really like it. Was uh, uh, this is honest? When I first heard your new album, Realization Ship, at first it was it was weird because it it was different than what I had heard for, from you previously, but not in a bad way or anything. And then uh, I listened to it, you know, a few times after that, and the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. Oh, that's amazing. That's great to hear. Yeah, yeah. and it's not just because you're here, but... <laughs> no, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's totally true. It's, uh, it, it, I think it's cool to see other p- sides of people, too, uh, as opposed to just you know doing the same thing over. I think so. I think so. It makes life more interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to your, uh, to your future uh, music and your work with, uh, with Hosking, Jim Hosking. It's very exciting. Oh, cheers. Cheers, Neil. Yes. You're, you're welcome. Uh, anything else you'd like to say that people uh, know where they, uh, what, what they can expect from you in the future? Um, the Spoon album? Yeah, check out. Yeah. Watch out for a new album. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that will be a Without Your Head exclusive. Yes. <laughs> Andrew and the Spoon. That's All right. Well, <laughs> It's been a lot of fun talking to you. I hope I hope you did. Uh, I hope you didn't regret it. You don't regret doing this. Oh, I always regret it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> totally regret it. <laughs> Excellent. This is Jim Hosking. Jim is the director of the Greasy Strangler, and you are listening to Without Your Head. It's not this
molestation of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. And I'm Mama Creepy. Mm-hmm. And we're joined by Mickey Keating, writer and director of Psychopaths, available on January 2nd on demand. How you doing? Hello. Hey. Good. How's it going? Excellent. Seems deja vu. So uh, what was the inspiration for Psychopaths? Uh, well, I mean, psychopaths came from a lot of different places, but, you know, I really wanted to do something that was like a big psychedelic ensemble movie, um, something that would make Robert Altman maybe a little, little proud, but also an homage to, you know, those colorful, beautiful, violent, sleazy movies from the seventies and eighties, like, uh, hardcore and body double and maybe vice squad thrown in there and, uh, beyond the Valley of the dolls, all those kind of films. I just adore. Mm Mm-hmm. I I think there's a scene in there that's uh, an ode to, to Taxi Driver. I don't know if I'm if I'm correct or not. Uh probably. <laughs> which scene is that? The club scene? Yeah, because you get you get the hand, which is and then um, I don't know. It's very uh, reminiscent of Taxi Driver. Oh, thank you. Yes, uh, Taxi Driver is probably my second favorite film of all time. So whether I choose to or not, subconsciously, uh, somehow it will always make it into one of my films. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned colorful, yeah. and uh, go on, go on, uh, Mama Creepy. Oh, I was actually going to talk about that. Um, I loved the vibrant colors, and uh, as well as the music in it. Uh, the soundtrack oh, just you. went so well and complemented it so well. Uh, it really brought forth the characters too. Oh, cool, awesome. Yes, uh, you know, I think I think what's it's very fun to juxtapose horrific violence to very vibrant colors because then you just find yourself not able to look away no matter what or at least that was the goal mm-hmm. yeah i always like the, the the contrast there uh when you're actually um because it is a very visual movie when you're writing it uh do you have all the visuals and the sound in your mind you know when you're writing the script yeah absolutely and i think that was kind of the difficult thing about uh casting this one you know we had a lot of people return from my previous film but when we were uh seeking kind of actors who I hadn't worked with yet. That's the hard thing to sell because the movie's called Psychopaths. There are scenes of incredible violence. So it was very important for me to just be like, look, I know when you read this script that it's going to read one way, but here are all like the accompanying like reference visuals, you know, all of these things that I'm thinking for each scene. So it won't be as graphic as it reads on the script. But I mean, then the movie just, kind of became very graphic anyway so uh uh you know i, I tried my hardest <laughs> yeah. It, yeah in your I mind seeing, you're going, oh sorry. i love seeing ashley bell and then i know she and uh james had actually been in carnage park before but i love seeing ashley bell in this uh in this movie um so i was such a fan of hers and uh like the last exorcism it was like she's all grown up now it was great to see her in this and uh james yeah, uh, Landy Hermes. You know, he was just perfect as kind of a sleazy kind of guy in this movie too, and uh, for that whole turnaround with it, it, it was just perfect. Oh, that's awesome! Yes, I mean, you know, Ashley's just like she's, you know, obviously I can't say enough good things about her. And James is, you know, you you give him the stage and he goes wild. So you know, he uh, in in Cardiff Park he was. A supporting character and for this one you know i really wanted to take that insanity and dial it up to 11 and fortunately with him you know that doesn't take much he uh he just is is a force to be reckoned with <laughs> what is it about uh, larry fessenden that's in in all your movies pretty much all your movies 
Uh, well, Larry, you know, he was my mentor, uh, and, and he, I interned for Glass Eye Picks when I was uh, a teenager, and, you know, he's been a very, you know, supportive and inspiring uh, person, you know, in terms of filmmaking to me. And so every movie that I make, I just kind of, I kind of beg him to, to show up and be a part of it in some way or another. And originally in the, in psychopaths, his role was much smaller. It was much more confined to the, just the televisions and radios, but he gives, he's such an incredible actor that uh, we ended up opening the film with him, which is great. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if uh, I assume it's not a huge budget. What are some of the challenges of pulling off like such a visually uh, stunning looking movie, you know, without an enormous budget? Um, it's just I think what it all, always comes down to is time. You know, I think what we do and what I've kind of uh, my I've committed to at this up to this point is making writing films, knowing what kind of budget that is feasible, because, you know, a big mistake, I feel like a lot of first-time filmmakers or young filmmakers make or independent filmmakers make uh, is that they write a script and then they only get a quarter or a half of what they you know need to accomplish the goal. And so um, for me, it was really just about balancing all of these stories, all of these characters, all of this music and coming in, you know, at a reasonable price range. And somehow we did it. It nearly killed me, but somehow we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I always think the use of the colors, you know, like reds and greens and purples and even just like the bright lights, that really raises the production value, I think, of a movie. It really, you know, makes it look interesting and it just adds a lot. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's, you know, my, my cinematographer, Max Fiskin, we've worked on. This is our fifth film that we've made together. And, you know, the efforts really always to push each other and challenge each other. And when I said, you know, that I wanted this movie to just be an explosion of of you know, uh, of visuals and colors, he really went for it. He went crazy. And we have, we have the same camera team that we've worked on for four movies now, three movies now. And, uh, so everyone's kind of a a big family. And so when there's all that effort being put into it, you get all of this kind of, you get a lot more than what you originally anticipated, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, about the, the violence itself, do you, do you see psychopaths as a movie uh, about violence or about uh, the way people uh, envision violence in movies? Well, I think that I see psychopaths as, you know, I just, I just kind of wanted to present a look at, 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 at violence in that way and just kind of have it be a fact. There are violent things that happen around us every single second of every single day. And some are, very sedate and some are very sensationalized and you know it's really about our culture's reflection of violence in that regard um but also you know i didn't i i I hope i didn't want to trivialize it and so you know the effort was to make it very cinematic and very impactful and and my mom was infuriated when she saw the movie at tribeca so if that's any inclination i think we're right on the right track (laughs) Uh, about your mom, um, well, obviously you saw this movie. Uh, did you grow up watching horror movies and violent movies, and uh, was this something she was cool with? Well, I mean, it was much to her uh, chagrin that I that I was very drawn to. Um, you know, I I went behind. You know, I found ways to sneak in, like Taxi Driver. But I think from you know from a very very early phase, like I always wanted to make movies and be a part of movies. I was 
begging my parents to see Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was like six years old. That really, the face melt was probably like their decision of like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't have shown them that. Um, but, you know, they've always, <laughs> as soon as I kind of realized that, as soon as they realized that this is what was going to be my career and that I wanted to do this, they were supportive. But my mom still sometimes is like, what went wrong in your childhood that you would think of these ideas? And I'm like, I just get ideas from other movies. That's what, you know, art inspires art. <laughs> Nothing went wrong. My childhood was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the movie's very stylized. Now there's some, there's some like, um, death scenes where it kind of lingers like longer than you would expect in a, in a movie. And some, some things are more stylized and like a heightened sense of reality. And then some things are, uh, kind of cut away and more, uh, realistic at times. Um, why is that that you have like uh, such different styles within the movie itself? I just wanted to do something that wasn't uh, so kind of blunt. And I feel like there's a bit, you know, when I was growing up too, and my very influential years were the, the quote unquote torture porn movies of the early two thousands. And I feel like I didn't want to make something that was an exploitation movie in that regard. And I really was, wanted to make something that was a little bit more musical and kind of lured the audience in uh, and almost made them kind of complicit to watching this violence as opposed to just trying to shock them or gross them out. Now, there's very shocking things in the movie, but it wasn't the goal wasn't to be like, all right, well, watch how fucked up we can get because, <laughs> you know, I that's that's not particularly very interesting to me. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of an approach to make it more like a ballet where all of a sudden out of nowhere, someone's, you know, Achilles tendon gets slit. And the audience is always left guessing as opposed to just being horrified or grossed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I found watching it, a lot of movies usually you end up... Um, feeling or getting invested in the victim or whatever, but uh, watching this movie, I really found myself getting invested in the psychopath, you know, and um, caring for them um, and through their whole journey. And I, I've never really gotten that um, in other movies. So I found it really unique to have that journey with them. So um, that was an interesting I didn't realize, or I didn't think that was going to quite happen going into this movie. It was a nice surprise. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to kind of create that sense of uh, moral ambiguity, I guess, because, you know, Ashley is so violent, but so funny and endearing in the film. And uh, same with, you know, it's Jeremy Gardner. I feel like he's hilarious in the movie. And I, I feel like, you know, movies where you watch characters, I, Taxi Driver is the great example I feel like where it's like you're watching him do horrific things and yet you're invested in him or even a movie like mm-hmm. John Houston's wise blood or something like that. Like I just, you know, that's, that's showing something to the audience and making them think like, why do I, why is this person endearing to me? Like that's, that's a very fun experiment. And so I'm glad it elicited that some sort of reaction. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest reaction was with, um, uh, Sam Zimmerman, who, who is the mask masked character you know um when well i don't really want to give anything away but you know um i think his character was the one that i got most invested in you know um i was just like no i don't i don't want him to die i don't want anything to happen to it you know it was just i got very into his character so um i think his character more than any of them that that was the one i was caring for the most you know 
it just felt like he was this misunderstood psychopath, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, definitely that was the one that I really got most invested in. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, he'll be thrilled to hear that. You know, because I think it's always difficult when you go to somebody and you're like, when I go to an actor, he's a great actor. And I'm like, all right, Sam, so you're going to have to find a way to convey your character without really talking or having any facial expressions. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's, he just took that and ran with it. And, and it, I'm very, I can't wait. I promise the next movie, uh, he will not have to wear a mask. So hopefully he'll be twice as good. <laughs> What's the feedback been like for the movie? Uh, well, you know, I think I think like all of my films, people either really are drawn to them or they uh, really don't like it, and I think that's okay. And a lot of my favorite films are movies that when I've watched upon first viewing, I was infuriated by and I didn't quite understand. But hopefully, with any luck, uh, the people who don't like it give it a chance to revisit it somewhere down the line. Um, and so I think that's, that's a good, I think what I really want to do and all of my favorite filmmakers, they leave you with films that you hopefully aren't necessarily sure about how you feel about it when the credits roll, but with any luck, it kind of plants itself in your brain and somewhere down the line, maybe you like it or maybe you still hate it. And that's fine too. <laughs> so it, uh, on demand January 2nd, uh, where's the best place to, uh, define psychopaths and follow the psychopaths? Um, so it's going to be on all of the, you know, any place that you can get VOD, it's going to be there. Uh, the best place to watch it is the biggest and loudest screen that you possibly have. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you can follow me obnoxiously on Twitter and I'll, I'll retweet stuff and, and let everyone know uh, where it'll be. And then I think it's also coming out uh, on physical, you know, formats sure. at some point. <laughs> I'll have the information, you know, uh, down the line. Very cool. And uh, it's, it's cool to talk to you. What do you have coming out uh, after Psychopaths? So Psychopaths, uh, that's out. And then we have, uh, we're finishing out the core probably until New Year. So that's going to be this four more episodes of that. We have great guests coming up. Uh, I don't know who's uh, who's announced yet, but I think like Elijah Wood and Spectre Vision are on. We have Glenn Danzig. We have a lot of awesome people for the ending for the last four. And then after that, it's just starting again and making another movie hopefully getting uh, another film in production in the new year. Very cool. Well, it's been uh, great to talk to you. Thank you for doing this. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah uh, thank you so much. Yeah.